Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 155 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And this is definitely the first time I've done this intro. We had a recording failure, so that was fun. So we're doing things a second time, so I'll apologize in advance if uh, any of us, me particularly, sounds jaded. Yeah, we've got a, a bit of a packed episode this week. Uh, I've got some updates on the the various Baldur's Gates games that I'm playing. We're going to talk about the latest Switch news, uh, including the few things that have come out of E3 and what hasn't come out of E3 so far. Andrew's going to give us the lowdown on Mighty Goose and uh, Grifflands. Uh, and then we're going to have a bit of fun and uh, try and put together some sort of a E3 predictions bingo card and uh, yeah, decide uh, what we think is going on there. We will make the blank card available on our socials for people after we finish recording so they can have a, a laugh and try and picture what they think Nintendo is going to announce at the upcoming Direct. Uh, so with that, let's uh, get on to updates from the previous episode. Okay, only me with updates from the previous episode this time. So Baldur's Gates, I've been playing a bunch of different Baldur's Gates games, uh, which we spoke about last episode. Uh, the one I finished is Dark Alliance, which is the... Uh, top-down uh, Diablo-style uh, take on on the D&D universe. Um, I completed it last week. Uh, I largely enjoyed it, despite a um, a stodgy middle act. Um, the they just sort of throw a lot of uh, HP heavy enemies at you, like big creatures, um, which you know just take a while to whittle down. Uh, and that left the final act feeling a little anticlimactic because they switch back to mostly humanoids and they're pretty easy to kill um i did have some criticisms uh with it now that i've finished it most disappointing was the the boss fights most of them the main tactic was simply to have enough health potions to eat their damage and hit them i can see a little bit how the fights might differ for the other classes particularly the mage class uh, i think the fighter be fairly similar to the ranger as i was playing although he doesn't have um the range attacks a lot of the time with the bosses you're best getting in and up close anyway so the mage one is where that's really going to to differ some age specific complaints i had with some of the enemy behaviors uh, particularly pathings during combat are laughably bad and um, they for example they throw minotaurs at you uh, in the penultimate dungeon there's a few of them in the final dungeon as well uh, and they're meant to like try and change up your combat style because they're very direct they will charge at you and uh, try and lead with power but they can only hit you from the front uh, so i had a really easy time just running to their sides or running around in circles till i had opportunity to hit them in the side and swiping and they could do nothing about it because they only had frontline attacks and even a boss i managed to abuse the the pathing on uh, I myself got stuck on a piece of scenery and when I was struggling with the boss I led him down to where the scenery was he got stuck on it and I just pelted him with arrows from a few feet away so that was kind of kind of disappointing on beating it I mentioned last time that you're meant to unlock Driz Duerden who's like a legendary Dungeons and Dragons character that is true but he was kind of disappointing because um, he's only usable in a throwaway challenge mode with permadeath where you're meant to you know defeat X amount of dungeon floors and he's weaker than the the starting stats of the base characters which was uh doubly disappointing so yeah not much uh fun to be had there uh the ending did hint at a sequel uh, and there was one um and black isle have already said it's a possibility to come to other platforms as well so i'm happy with that i like this one enough that i would play the sequel uh even if it's 
just more of the same patterns and rhythms. Um, I had enough of a good time. Uh, what I'm having a much better time with though is Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. Uh, so this is part of the uh, the double packs of the Beamdog releases. So last week when I talked about it, I complained that it didn't really feel like D&D. I have to go on record and say that changes massively once you get your... Uh, mages and magic casters up a few levels and you fine-tune the auto pauses to behave as you want and you know like the character behavior and stuff to stop them just running brainlessly into combat with the leveling up of the magic casters as soon as i got a stinking cloud i was gifted an amazingly overpowered ability um, which is a wide area of effect spell which uh, when you launch it it brings up a stinking cloud and all the creatures, including your team, have to roll saving throws. If they fail those saving throws, then they get knocked unconscious. Uh, so this has given me my base tactic of just hitting enemies, bosses or large groups of enemies with this, keeping my distance just out of range of the cloud and then waiting for them to fall unconscious and then just pelting them with arrows. It, it works incredibly well. Other comments I had about this one was that I love how enemies, even the quote-unquote bosses, are bound by the same rules as you. Powerful wizard that I was having trouble with because he kept teleporting and hitting me with powerful spells and I didn't really have anything in the locker to counter that. Uh, and my way around that was to walk into a room wait for him to trigger uh, a spell and then just get the hell out of there get into another room avoid the spell and eventually he ran out of uh, anything he could use and then I was able to hit him with everything I had which was uh, kind of fun but very cheap on my part but I regret nothing the other thing I'm enjoying so far is the writing it's it's this perfect mix of uh, good storytelling enough of you know a motive for your main character but they cross it well with the D&D uh, fantasy stuff and with uh, a lot of uh, humour that is, you know, equally crap, punny, dark, just laugh out loud funny. Um, I'm enjoying that aspect of it a lot. In fact, I'm just enjoying the whole game a lot. Um, it's almost an obsession now. It's all I've been wanting to play at all. So yeah, a lot of fun. Just wanted to talk briefly about my favourite mission it though, which is uh, Find Ruffy. You go out into this uh, mountainside, which is weirdly flat and you talk to you find a little boy and he's uh talking about how his family wants to move in the area and he's just come to check it out and see what it's like but he's lost his dog and he wants to find him so he, he gives you the chew toy uh, dog's favorite chew toy and off you go to find the doggy so when you find the doggy it tries to trigger it as combat so i think they want you to kill the dog to deal the repercussions the reason why will become obvious in a second if you have the chew toy you can lead the dog back to the owner the owner thanks you then they both turn into massive fire demons and then portal out. And I have no idea if that's going to come back later or if they're going to come and help me or if the whole race is going to portal in and try and destroy the world. So I look forward to figuring out if there's any repercussions to that. But that was yeah, just a, a really weird what the hell mission. And uh, I kind of love it for that. Uh, Andrew, are you still powering on with uh, Planescape Torment? I am still powering on with Planescape Torment. <laughs> uh yeah i will will press you about that uh, another time when you're ready to talk about it so with that let's uh, move on to the latest switch news okay so first up we're going to start with some uh, non-news actually because uh, nintendo did not announce the switch pro like everyone thought they were um so do we think they're going to pull a surprise in the e3 directs they have said that it's going to be all software related and for games mostly coming out this year uh, they tend to leave this stuff to separate announcements and you know they'll frame it as the future of the nintendo switch or something like that uh what what game do we think they're playing here or do we just think a lot of people got bad information 
Yeah, I think they've been doing the disclaimers on their um, announcement posts a lot lately, and it's usually because there's a lot of Twitter news going around or Resetera or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we're getting any Switch Pro news in the E3 announcement. I don't know if a Switch Pro even exists at this point. It exists. It's going to come along at some point, but I don't think it's going to be announced at E3. The Sega Saturn was announced at the first E3, and it was a disaster. So it kind of set the tone for you don't announce hardware at E3. I can't think of any other console that's been announced to E3, although I could be wrong about that. So I don't expect to see anything about a new Switch model at E3 at least. You know, maybe they'll announce it later in the year. Uh, they'll announce it when they're ready. The thing that was shocking with this one is that like so many industry folk were so sure and then nothing. But then also I think Nintendo are getting fed up of uh, leaks and they're, they're starting to troll people a bit with this now but and going, back, going back to what Tori said about the disclaimers about the directs that's also because uh, Nintendo fans are excellent at trolling themselves and if they say this is a direct about this one specific game people will still think there's a Smash character getting announced and then get disappointed and angry when when that doesn't happen <laughs> so yeah they they have to cover their backs. Uh, yeah, so who who knows what the hell's going to happen there? Okay, uh, so uh, Nintendo also accidentally leaked the Mario Plus Rabbids follow up, uh, which is called Sparks of Hope, uh, and Ubisoft formally announced it yesterday or overnight for Australians in uh, their E3 thing. The only thing I have to say about that is uh, yay more Mario Plus Rabbids. Uh, big fan of that. Tori, you never bothered with the original, did you? No, I got halfway through it and then it got too hard for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I look forward to this one. Uh, we'll talk about the trailer itself probably more next week. We've got a lot to get through. I'd just be happy with more of the same, really, but it looks like they've expanded on some of the elements. So, yeah, uh, I'm very happy. Andrew, I think you're in the same camp with that. I don't know. I, I liked Mario plus Rabbids, and yet I, I didn't like it as much as other people did. It took me a long time just to even finish it. But it also didn't really click with me right away all the systems and stuff in it like once i found out rabid luigi breaks the game wide open then i just flew through the rest of the game <laughs> uh, so i'm interested hmm. to see how they're going to rebalance it because the donkey kong adventure content that came out it felt like it was a big response to how broken rabid luigi was because <laughs> rabid luigi was not in that dlc and you had to find ways to work around that and I don't know that just the way that whole thing was designed. It felt like it was telling players you you relied on Rabbit Luigi too much in the base game, so you have to actually make <laughs> do with with these new systems now. So uh, I'm curious to see if they uh, double down on their original game design or if they continue to evolve it strategically, so that way you can't just vamp dash everything and be immortal. Uh, so with that, uh, that's it for the, the news. Uh, we'll get on to more E3 stuff very shortly, but for now we're going to talk about things we've been playing in this last week, or more specifically what Andrew's been playing in the last week. Okay, so first up, Andrew, you're going to talk about uh, Grifflands, which is a, a new deck builder. Looks a bit like Slay the Spire, but uh, from what you've said, it's a bit more complex than that. Uh, so yeah, let's let's hear about it. Grifflands is a deck builder from the indie developer Clay Interactive, who have also put out Don't Starve and Mark of the Ninja on Switch, both of which are excellent and I recommend. It's set in a sci-fi world, is inhabited by a number of factions, such as the Admiralty, which is a corrupt 
bureaucracy than the cult of Hesh, which is a corrupt cult, and the Jakes, which is a corrupt labor union, and the Spark Barons, which is a corrupt group of adventurer archaeologists, just corruption all around. It's that kind of world, and it's occupied by all different kinds of aliens. You know, there's humans, and there's dogmen, and there's these lizard types with bifurcated eyes. It all feels very Star Wars, and the characters even speak that that gibberish, simless language that sounds an awful lot like Huddies. So, just to get the sense of the tone and the look of the series, it's very Star Wars, but in a, a hand-drawn style. And there are three playable characters in the game currently. There's Sal Ikderik and Rook who's a retired spy, and Smith, who is the drunken ne'er-do-well son of an aristocratic family. Uh, but the character I played as most is Sal Ikderik. Her campaign is called Hunting Cassio. It's all about the repercussions of what happened to her as a child and how she tries to get revenge. And what happened to her was her family was sold into slavery, and her parents both died as a result of that. But after working on an oil derrick run by the cult of Hesh, she was able to buy her freedom and has become a bounty hunter. And she's now returned to an area called Murder Bay to get her revenge on Cassio the Debt Broker, the, the woman who sold her family into slavery. Now, at, at the start of Sal's campaign, she has an ally and she has an enemy. And this leads into the relationship values part of the game. People who like you will help you in fights and give you discounts, and people who dislike you will fight against you and charge you more. But more importantly is people who love you will give you boons, and people who hate you will give you banes. So at the start of Sal's campaign, obviously my enemy is Cassio, so Cassio gives me the social bane, Troubled Past, where I lose two maximum resolve and two maximum health. And what does that mean? I'll get to that in a little bit. My ally is the local bartender who knew Sal's family as a child, and her name is Fish, that's F-S-S-H, I'm assuming that's pronounced Fish, or Fish, we'll just go with Fish because it's easier, and her social boon is Cozy, where I gain two maximum resolve and two maximum health, so basically that just nullifies Cassio's social bane there. And every character, if you get them to either love or hate you, gives you their social boon or social bane, and there are literally dozens of characters to interact with in all three of the different campaigns. And the longer my campaign is, and the more characters I interact with, the more boons and, more significantly, banes will affect my character. But to get my chance to kill Cassio, I need to go out with Sal and complete some jobs. And these jobs are randomly drawn from a pool of dozens, maybe even hundreds, of fully scripted miniature stories that occur on the world map and at various locations around it. And each job pool is unique to each character. So when you go and you play as Rook or Smith after playing as Sal for a while, the jobs you're going to be doing with them are going to be completely different from the jobs that Sal does. Of the three jobs that appear on the world map, I choose competing bids at the bar called the Slurping Snail. So I travel there and I speak with Spots, who's my contact, and Spots wants me to take down Trina, a local chemist. Spots tells me that he's already hired another bounty hunter named Shake to also take care of this, and Shakes is still in the bar, so I head over to Shake and speak with him and his partner Dollar, 
and learn that they already know where Trina is, and I can either intimidate Shake to get the information, or I can beat the info out of him. I choose intimidate, and this goes into the first deck-building card battle variety in the game. There are two. This first one that I'm going to do through intimidation with Shake is negotiations. And negotiations represent a debate or an argument, and both characters have a core argument with a certain amount of resolve. And to win the argument or the debate or the negotiation, I have to reduce my opponent's core argument resolve to zero before they do the same to mine. Griftlands is a fairly typical deck builder. In the battles, I draw five cards every turn. I have three energy I can spend each turn, and each card that I draw uses between zero and three energy to use. Any unused cards in my hand at the end of the turn are discarded at the end of the turn, as well as any cards that I use with my energy are discarded as well. When my draw deck is empty, my discarded cards are reshuffled back into my draw deck, so the game just keeps going on forever and ever and ever, and you never really run out of cards. Some cards prevent damage to my core argument, some cards damage an enemy's core argument, and there are two types of these damage cards, hostility and diplomacy, and that'll be important in a bit. Some cards apply new modifiers to the battle. For example, Shake has his partner Dollar, and D Dollar appears as a, like a sub-argument on the battlefield who adds damage to all of Shake's attacks. And I can play Attitude cards. Attitude cards damage my opponent's resolve and adds a stack of dominance to my side of the battlefield. And dominance increases the damage of hostility cards. So if I have a lot of attitude cards, it, it helps to balance that out with a lot of hostility cards because they, they work off of each other. Modifiers can be attacked and defended, just like a core argument, and often attacking enemy modifiers and protecting my own modifiers is much more important than attacking their core argument. And the really interesting thing about negotiation battles is they aren't necessarily a hostile action. A lot of the time I get into a negotiation with someone who's actually neutral towards me or might even be one of my allies, and I'm just trying to convince them maybe to do me a favor or to get them to do something that they don't really want to do. But they're not necessarily going to look down on me on it for doing it, although there are certainly situations where the person isn't going to like me getting into a negotiation battle with them, such as this one, where this is an intimidation, and he does not appreciate being intimidated, even with words. If I lose a negotiation, the game continues, but I cannot negotiate again until I restore all of my resolve with items or with certain special events. I ultimately win my negotiation against Shake, who tells me that Trina is hiding out in a nearby cave. I travel to the cave, I confront Trina, and I convince her to come along peacefully in another negotiation. I do win the negotiation, and this causes Trina to hate me, and I gain her social bane, which is spiked drink, which makes it so whenever I buy a drink at a bar to restore my resolve for negotiations, then I also get an ulcer card added to my deck. And an ulcer card, I'll probably get that in my next hand the next time I do a battle, and I just have to play it to get it out of my deck. It basically is just filler that makes me waste a turn. Sometimes I, I still want to take a drink to get some resolve back, and that's just a good trade-off, you know, losing a turn in the next battle. So that way I can cap out my negotiation hit points. It's just, you got to determine if that's a decision you want to make. Now, while escorting Trina back to spots at the Slurping Snail, I'm confronted by Dollar, who tries to poach Trina's bounty from me. Once again, I'm presented with the opportunity to negotiate my way out of this fight, but I choose to fight her in an actual card battle. This is the other kind of 
uh, deck builder battle in the game, just straight up combat. This is more typical RPG combat, drain hit points to zero to win. There is this small wrinkle in Griftlands where if you drain most of an opponent's hit point bar, that will cause them to panic. And once they panic, then I can either accept their surrender or I can execute them. Which one you choose to do will have different impacts on the game. Like if you're in the middle of nowhere where nobody sees it happen, you can execute somebody with no penalties. But if it's in a public place, other people are going to hear about that. You'll probably get the social bane of some other people who are friends with that person because they know that you killed them. But if it's the middle of nowhere, no big deal. And also, you know, if you go for surrendering somebody, maybe there's a good reason to keep somebody alive. These are decisions you need to make in the moment. Combat battles follow the same basic deck builder rules. You draw five cards every turn. You use the cards with your three available energy. Each card uses between zero and three energy to use. Any unused cards are discarded. When my draw deck is empty, my discarded yada yada yada, all the same stuff. Well, the presentation between negotiations and battles is very different in practice. They're actually almost identical. Uh, the big difference between the two is if you lose in a battle, it's game over, and I have to try again from a new campaign. Now, I do win the battle against Dollar, and I choose to let her live because I can't really see any benefit to killing her, and once I've turned in Trina, then Dollar will no longer have a reason to pursue me. I take Trina back to Spots. Spots now likes me and will give me a discount for his services, and I earn rewards for my bounty for turning Trina in. Just from one job, I've made new friends, new enemies, I've earned some coin, and I'm one step closer to getting my revenge against Cassio. But that's just one quest, and i got to do a few dozen more to finish Sal's campaign. Games like this are called deck builders, but I really think a better name for them is deck strippers, because I, I really do find I spend a lot more time removing cards from my deck than adding cards to them, because that is an option that you have. Half the game you spend, you know, putting cards in your deck that help your build, like uh, uh, whenever you finish a fight, then you can add a card to your deck, you can buy cards from certain NPCs, you can win new cards from finishing quests, but it's not always a good idea to do that. Because the other half of the game, and I think I would arguably say probably more than the other half of the game, is getting cards out of your deck that don't help you. And you can again remove certain cards from your deck by paying certain NPCs or by finishing certain jobs. And when you're offered a new card, not always a good idea to take it. Because generally the fewer cards you have, the better your deck is. Because the fewer cards you have, if they synergize with each other, they're going to be synergizing with each other a lot more. And even some weak cards, if they synergize well, is going to get you a lot further than if you have a lot of really good cards, but you're not drawing them as often because you have so freaking many you've got to work through. That's kind of deck building 101. As an example with Sal, she starts out in the game with her combat cards. Some of her cards have combo and some of them have bleed, and combo will work up combo points on her every turn. And if I can spend those combo points with certain other cards, that'll give out unique effects. And with my bleed, that just builds up bleed, a bleed effect on enemies that makes them take damage every turn. And I also can get certain cards that add new bonuses if I use them on enemies that have bleed on them. So I need to look at my early random rewards and decide which side of Sal's combat cards I want to focus on, combo or bleed. Early in my first campaign, I got a graft, which is kind of like a, an equipable item that enhances the character's abilities. I got a graft called First Blood, which adds an extra four bleed to my first attack. So uh, from that I went, okay, 
I'm going to focus on bleed cards. For the rest of that campaign, I worked on removing the combo cards from my deck and adding cards that either added bleed effects or boosted off of bleed effects. That is how you really play a deck building game. One interesting thing that I encountered in Grifflands that I hadn't seen in other deck builders is the combat and negotiation sides of the games tended to overlap. With Sal, as I completed battles, I developed a reputation for violence. That was what the game actually describes it, like this new status effect as. And it added new cards to my negotiation deck, which made my hostility cards more effective. So the answer to that was I work on depleting out my diplomacy cards from my negotiation deck because when I only have hostility cards in my draw deck, every single turn I'm getting the benefit of those reputation for violence cards. In a deck builder, you need to look at the cards that you're getting and the cards that you may get and just try to build a smart synergy between all of your existing cards and just work on getting out the cards that don't fit into those synergies and once you've mastered that deck builders go from very confounding to really pretty straightforward you actually don't even really have to think about things that much and grifflands has a lot of meta progression in it there are prestige levels and every time i beat the campaign's boss i unlock a harder version of that campaign that adds new enemies enemies get new abilities and enemies just become smarter and stronger in general there are seven different prestige levels to unlock for each character i can earn metal that's M-E-T-T-L-E, and that's earned for winning battles and completing quests that I can buy permanent per-character upgrades. So I can go and spend Sal's metal at the metal shop. It'll make it so that way she starts off with more money in my next campaign, or she'll have more maximum health, so on and so forth. And there's a lot of those sort of upgrades to buy. There are card packs that I can unlock when I'm done playing a campaign. Win or lose, I earn a certain amount of points from a campaign. And these points add up towards unlocking new, what are basically booster packs that'll add more cards to my character's core deck. It's a pretty typical system for deck builders. I've seen it at least in Slay the Spire had an almost identical thing. Each character has 10 packs to unlock, so the more you play as the character, the more new strategies and new cards you're unlocking, but also the more complicated you're making the character for you. So uh, there's some trade-off there that you really can't avoid because you're going to be unlocking these cards no matter what you do. And there's a compendium where that just tracks everything you've seen in the game, and you have to unlock and upgrade every card, and each card upgrades at least two different ways, and some of the cards have like five different upgrades they can get out of, so there's a lot of RNG you have to deal with to get all those upgrades. You have to meet every character, you have to earn every character's boon and bane, you got to find and install every graft. So there's a lot of replaying you have to do and a lot of randomness you have to to uh, navigate your way through to fill out that compendium. Beating every character's campaign at Prestige Zero is already a big ask. Uh, I did manage, much to my surprise, to beat Rook's and Smith's campaigns on my first try. Those each took me about four hours. Sal, I haven't managed to finish her campaign yet. So maybe 10 plus hours to finish all three campaigns, maybe over 20. It's going to vary from person to person, but that's my experience has been 10 to 20 hours. One thing I am certain of, though, unlocking everything in this game will take hundreds of hours. So if you like it and you like unlocking stuff and you're looking for something to really fill time, this would be a solid choice. 
And when I look at how much new content Clay has given to Don't Starve in the past eight years, if Griftlands is successful, then it could be getting new characters and new campaigns for years. And I'm, I'm really excited to see if that's possibly going to happen because I think this is an incredible game. I've been worried so far this year. There have been very few standout indies so far. I think the best indie I've played so far this year has been Undermine. Thank goodness for Griftlands. It's an easy indie game of the year contender for that matter. We haven't really had many big AAA releases so far this year, but it's also a top contender for game of the year, period. This is an incredible game. I totally recommend it. If you're unfamiliar with deck builders, I think this would be a good place to jump in because it has a really solid story component to it, and it does have an easy you know, story mode that simplifies the mechanics so that way you can just see the story if that's all you really care about. But I highly recommend this game. It's a good time. It's very well designed. I love it. Okay, uh, Andrew, the other thing you've also been playing is uh, Mighty Goose, which, uh, you know, harks back to the old uh, Metal Slug uh, side-scrolling uh, shoot-em-ups. Uh, but in this one, you're a goose, which uh, having a, an evil goose always improves things, I think. Um, how are you finding this one? Well, I got this in a review code from Carter Dotson from Stride PR, so thank you to them for that. And Mighty Goose is a side-scrolling action arcade game where you play as a goose in a suit of powered armor that runs through levels shooting an army called the Void Army, uh, trying to stop them from taking over the galaxy. And that is pretty much the entire game. <laughs> it's not very long. <laughs> I finished it in about two hours because it's an arcade shooter. And actually, for an arcade shooter, that's a pretty long game. But the the charm of this game is just the fact that you're playing as a goose, who is a very untitled goose game style goose. It even There's even a honk button at the start of the game, although it's unfortunately soon <laughs> overwritten by special abilities that you unlock as you beat levels. Uh, like at the start you can you can just honk but then you can get some bombs that you can throw that roll along the ground before exploding and then at the end of the game I could just summon literal pillars of fire <laughs> and there's just a short <laughs> cooldown on them and that's a pretty fun ability that I could just fly through the rest of the game using and the shooting itself actually reminds me a lot of Metal Slug, and if really if you look at this game in action for even just a few minutes, and if you've ever played Metal Slug, you'll see, oh, this is uh, not just an homage, this is full-on copying Metal Slug down to all of its aesthetics, like when uh, the mission starts, it says mission start, when you finish a level, it says mission end. When you pick, there are three weapons, there's a machine gun, there's a shotgun, and a rocket launcher. When you pick them up, they say, machine gun, or shotgun, <laughs> and they function identically to how those guns work in Metal Slug, and then you get to the point where, in the last level, you're fighting tanks that are, like, super tall tower tanks, and they drop bombs from their top level that just hit on the ground and roll very slowly forward and you can't jump over these tanks you have to blow them up to get past them that is an enemy pulled straight out of metal slug it is copying <laughs> so really the, what this game is is it's metal slug starring a goose 
It's uh, it's Metal Slug with a little bit of Star Fox, a little bit of Earthworm Jim, and a little bit of Untitled Goose Game thrown in there. And as a big Metal Slug fan, Metal Slug 2 is one of my all-time favorite arcade games. I really enjoyed Mighty Goose. Uh, it's If you're into you know arcade shooters or just short little platformers, this is a solid one. It's a really good choice. I enjoyed my time with it, as brief as it was. Nice. Uh, so that's that. Uh, so let's get on to what I think is going to be the bulk of our discussion. Uh, it's E3 predictions time, so we're going to uh, fill out that bingo card. Uh, so basically the bingo card, we have 24 spots to uh, complete with our collective uh, E3 predictions. We do, don't really have a format in place, we're just going to discuss and... and uh, Try to agree, and I'm sure we'll have some solo predictions in there as well. Okay, so uh, slot number one. Uh, shall we start with the the obvious thing? Uh, it's Zelda's uh, 35th anniversary this year. There's got to be some more Zelda news outside of Skyward Sword. Um, what are we thinking? Uh, are we thinking uh, remaster collections? Are we thinking, uh, you know, single uh, remakes? Um, are we thinking time stuff like they did for the the Mario uh, gear last last year? What, what do we think? I think a 3D collection, whether that be the HD remasters or the 3D remakes on 3DS or something along those lines, is one of the safer bets. I'm still not confident to say it's a sh- sure thing, but I can see it happening. I think literally everything that they did for Mario's 35th anniversary i expect to see the same thing for zelda's 35th anniversary if only because it is easier that they've already they already have a game plan to follow for it so let's just do it again with the zelda stuff Mm -hmm. so we're gonna see uh, a port compilation probably just wind waker and twilight princess that'll be kind of like the equivalent of the mario 3d collection uh there will be a zelda game and watch There'll be a Zelda AR game to match up with the Mario Kart AR game, uh, which I don't know. Maybe that wasn't part of the Zelda or the Mario 35th anniversary, but it felt to me like it was. Uh, shoot, there's probably going to be a Zelda Lego set too. Now that I think about it, even though I, I <laughs> had no interest in that at all. <laughs> uh, uh, I reckon Zelda 99, Shuin. Oh my god! If they do that as a like a procedurally generated dungeon type of thing mm-hmm. could be good i i don't know i think the uh they'd probably base it off the original legend of zelda i don't think the original legend of zelda holds up very well today that would be kind of annoying like can you ma- i don't know if you two have played the original legend of zelda recently but just i'm imagining being flooded with just a screen full of dark nuts or a screen full of <laughs> uh lionel's yeah like the original legend of zelda those those enemies are so annoying or whiz rose god those enemies were just terrible in the first game and that would not be fun at all <laughs> but... i'd still prefer the first one to the second one for a 99 Ooh, i think if andrew could jump through your microphone and throttle you he would i There's look Steve the legend of zelda 2 as we speak. it's my it's that's one of my favorite zeldas it's it's, it's the first video game i ever played i love it but if you're talking about all of the dark nuts and everything in the first game, I think number two is a hell of a lot harder. It's not, but let's okay. move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so let's let's nail this down into a couple because I think there'll be a couple of Zelda announcements, so we can afford to blow a couple of our uh, spots here. So, 
Um, so for definite, I think some sort of uh, Zelda uh, 3D compilation that will be the ones from the Wii uh, Wii U. Yep, I got that one down as HD collection. Uh, and I reckon Zelda 99 is is definitely going to happen. Do we do we all agree on that? Uh, or are you willing to let me have it? Maybe not Zelda 99. I, I think if we can be vague about it as being some sort of retro gimmick game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put weird Zelda spinoff as mine. Like Maybe it won't necessarily be Zelda 99, but it'll be something nobody's expecting. Zelda related. Like Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope they can, uh, you know, go a bit weird and give another developer license to play with that because uh, that, that worked out really well for them. Um, and of course, Mario worked out well giving it to Ubisoft. Can I bring up another weird prediction? Yeah, go on. Um, the Ages of, is it Age of Seasons and Age of Oracle? Oracle. Oracle yeah. of Ages, Oracle of Seasons. That's it. You reckon we'd get a. Link's Awakening style remake of them. Uh, I would love that, but I think that's more likely to come in the form of a Game Boy Virtual Console thingy. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, I'm I'm impeded by my lack of enthusiasm for those games. I just I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care for the Capcom made Zelda games. So <laughs> whenever somebody suggests that, I'm like, eh. it just seems like a very specific art style that they developed for Link's Awakening that they could apply to something else from the handheld mm-hmm. games. And that's my go-to, is that those games haven't really been touched since. But maybe let's not waste a s- slot on it. I reckon that would be a 2022 release. That will be a good wildcard one. So may- maybe put it in a maybe pile and we'll see what we've got left after. Um, but Zelda-related Breath of the Wild 2, we're obviously going to get something more substantial this time, uh, sorry, uh, release window, release date, or my soul will die if there's nothing, like like <laughs> literally nothing. But I, I'm sure we're gonna get title reveal and release date. Putting it down is Breath of the Wild two mention. Now, I'd say I'd say get specific. I'd, no, I'd say specific. Get say release date at least. I reckon we'll get the release date. Okay, let's be brave. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, running through things that we, you know, rumours and things we kind of know about. Do we think Metroid Trilogy is making an appearance at all? I would be very surprised if they even mention Metroid at this point. Ouch. <laughs> it's it's Metroid's <laughs> it's, 35th anniversary too, though. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> That's specifically why I don't think they'll even mention it. Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, I've forgotten their names, but the people who made Samus Returns are supposedly making Metroid 5, so, like, a literal sequel to Metroid Fusion, not not the Metroid Prime games, which are all people seem to care about with the Metroid series anymore, but there is the mainline <laughs> series of Metroid games, you remember those? Uh, so yep. maybe we'll see another one of those. Okay, well, uh, put that down in the maybe pile, we'll come, we'll come back to it if we're desperate. Indies. Uh, Spelunky 1 and 2 are supposed to be out this summer. Yes, I think that would be a good option for, uh, hey, it's out right now. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And a, and a popular one. So how about that? Spelunky collection uh, released during the Direct. Disco Elysium is also supposed to be out this summer on Switch. And finally unbanned in Australia, so that that's nice. Actually, Disco Elysium could be a good, and it's out now. Maybe. I'm not so sure about that one. Uh I don't know. It just feels super close to its last release date. Like, didn't it just come out on other consoles? I thought there was going to be mm-hmm. a longer period of time between it. But, you know, it, it could happen. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be late summer on that one. 
for some reason. Okay, maybe pile. Uh, now, the controversial stuff. So, Big Phil over at Xbox has been doing uh, interviews where he's got a Nintendo Switch in the background. Uh, he rarely has stuff in the background on his shelves that aren't relevant to something that's upcoming. Now, this could, like, that could be anything. It could be another Microsoft character in Smash. It could be ports from um, Microsoft Studios. Uh, what do we think there? I, I think something like Master Chief in Smash is probably the the Occam's Razor, like the most likely thing that could happen. What do we think about that? I mean, from what I'm hearing, Doom Guy has been getting um, some more reasonable rumors lately. Um, there's been some copyright strikes against people uploading the Doom trailer with a lifelight from Smash Ultimate. But if they post just <laughs> the song, it's not touched. <laughs> so i don't know maybe i'm getting my hopes up but i i i think something from either xbox or bethesda is coming to smash that that's my vague prediction <laughs> i feel like master chief would be the biggest news but doom guy would be the 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 more popular do you know what i mean they both kind of represent because smash is meant to represent gaming as a whole that's that's one of the intentions behind their character selection they both represent the first person shooter genre quite well and but... their armor has kind of evolved to be identical it's uh kind of concerning yeah. <laughs> I, I was just about to say we could have maybe doom guy with uh, master chief as the second skin <laughs> i don't i don't know if bethesda <laughs> and or microsoft would be okay with that but <laughs> i wouldn't oh my god that hurt <laughs> well a few years back i made the prediction that doom guy would be an alternate skin to samus well, i would just be happy with even a me skin from something from doom because there was yeah. that um vague leak were from like um kako demon as mm -hmm. a me hat that would be enough and if it came with a song even better but i doubt that okay so maybe we just sum this one up as microsoft slash bethesda character in smash because it's the same company now so you know yay corporate acquisitions <laughs> acquire me senpai do we think that they're going to announce the last two slots at uh e3 though you reckon they'll get it all over and done with like, last E3 was um, Banjo and Hero. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I think we'll see both. Yeah, let's go with that. Make make that a separate one. Both Smash, uh, both remaining Smash characters revealed. And then we can be done with that hype train. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, wussy prediction. We're going to see uh, more time than is necessary spent on Mario Golf and Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword, if they spend any time on that at all in the main presentation you know treehouse fine go nuts but if it's in the main presentation i'm gonna be annoyed because like we already know all about this game we can play it on wii right now if we want to so <laughs> uh, if they do that i'm gonna be like uh bathroom break okay <laughs> yeah i i they like to do those little trailers during their announcements with uh mario golf where it's like a a mini feature um it's almost like a documentary where they go through and describe all the features in detail. And I can see that happening for like a good five minutes. Okay. So back to the Microsoft Bethesda thing. Uh, this is just something I want to happen. Not something I necessarily think will get announced. Give us Fallout 3 in New Vegas on Switch. We know it'll run. It runs Skyrim. It can do Fallout. Hell. What do we think? 
those are different engines, so I don't know if it necessarily would just just run like the hardware is certainly more powerful than than what those game game engines require, like the Gamebryo three, Gamebryo four. I don't even remember what they made Fallout three and New Vegas on, but it's not true that just because it runs the Skyrim engine that it can also run the Fallout three engine. That is, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, I would hope it would work that way, and I wouldn't mind seeing both of those games on Switch. But my other thing is, those games have been re-released so many times that their value is just bottomed out, and I don't know if there's a big enough market willing to pay full price for what it would cost to port them to new hardware. That's like that's why we haven't seen Left 4 Dead on a new console in forever either, because uh, Valve has just given it away for either free or next to nothing for so long that nobody wants to pay full price for left for dead anymore it's just it's not worth it so they can't afford to port it now <laughs> so I, I would like to see that but i'm very skeptical skeptical it will happen i think it's a bold choice and uh i'm willing to put it on the card i don't know it's one i keep bringing up every year and it doesn't happen so who knows um i think we'd see fallout 4 before we see fallout 3 on switch to be honest mm, that's that's a good show. Maybe Fallout in some capacity. Yeah, I just wrote Fallout on Switch. I think that's vague enough, but also specific enough to... to Even if it's on. remasters of the first two, which I think they still have rights to. Yeah, that's got a bit of a muddy history, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm wondering, I, I don't think I'll put this on the card, but I'm still wondering if any of those Game Pass for Switch rumours would ever come true in any capacity. No, what I can see more is uh, maybe a Game Pass app where you can stream from xCloud. I'd believe just yeah. xCloud before I'd believe, you know, Game Pass writ large, because like, Game Pass running on somebody else's hardware, that would be a licensing nightmare. And, you know, just certifying which games work on it and which ones don't, and just how that would even work logistically, that would... I don't know if Nintendo would even want to deal with that because they're so skittish about those kind of partnerships in the first place. Mm-hmm. I think my main reason against it happening is because they specifically, because they got Game Pass on PC and mobile through xCloud. So I don't think we're going to see a thing where you can sign up to Game Pass and get access to games to download because they specifically brand yeah. new editions as console, PC, or mobile. Mm-hmm. I think mobile could easily include Switch as a bracket under a bracket. Yeah, totally. But I don't. But think also, I don't know if they'd announce that at the Nintendo one or at the Xbox one. I feel like the Xbox one would be more likely. Also, of true. the two. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we're we're leaving that off for now. Then. Still interesting to think about. I can think of one thing that might be a uh, easy square. But it really could go either way, and that's a new Amiibo. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. What game? Golf? I, no, I don't know. Maybe golf. They could do cards again. But if they announced some of those golf outfits are incredible. <laughs> um, I don't think they'd make figurines of them. I'm still mad that they stopped making the Mario series right before they could have done a Shy Guy Amiibo. So. <laughs> okay, so we're just calling that new Amiibo. That's new a, Amiibo. That's a one. It's a wussy one. I can only think of wussy ones like, oh, they're going to do a sizzle reel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's obvious. Uh, so <laughs> what, what do we think is going in a sizzle reel? I reckon the sizzle reel will be a whole bunch of ports and then one indie game that 
everyone's been looking forward to or some sort of like the last one had um house of the dead in it didn't it Mm -hmm. so i reckon it will just be a whole bunch of stuff that's like "Eh, that looks cool but i wouldn't buy it and then all of a sudden one that's just nobody expected mean (laughs) i'm not being mean that's just i'm parroting um (laughs) twitter really (laughs) and kind of stuff i would expect to see in the sizzle reel Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. That's out like two weeks after E3. Yes, uh, yes good call. Diablo 2 Resurrected will probably be in a sizzle reel. Nina Cooney 2 might be in a sizzle reel. They've already announced it. Yes, uh, I was about to say that one. Maybe Monster Hunter Stories 2. I feel like that one might get its own feature, even though that it's already all the information is already out about it. That would be a, another filler segment. I agree with that. Okay, uh, Andrew, I know you were doing some bingo carding before we decided to do this. <laughs> uh, you had... Dark Souls 2 I did. on there. Um, I would like it on there just because it's me. It's probably not going to happen, but I would like to will it into existence. It seems weird <laughs> yeah. to me that it hasn't happened already after they already did Dark Souls Remastered. Like, I, what, yeah. I don't know why. Like Maybe it didn't sell very well on Switch. Seems to me like it did. But they don't Maybe seem... that'll be the new Amiibo. <laughs> okay. It, it's, it's, it's mad that we got a a Dark Souls amiibo in the first place, but so awesome. <laughs> um, it was functionally useless, but I like it. What do you think, Tori? You gonna let me have that one? Oh yeah, I've already written it down. I thought that's a good pick. Okay, so other big franchises. So there's a rumored Final Fantasy uh, anniversary collection, not anniversary collection, just a, a classics collection, uh, a hypothetical one to six. Uh, there have been some changes on the mobile versions to highlight which ones are 3D and which ones are not. Uh, with interesting timing and too many industry folk I follow have been very coy about highlighting that. Uh, I think that's probably going to be very likely. Mm. I'm wondering if there will be any 3D HD in there. Or 2D HD? What is it? Yeah, could be. Uh, probably not if, if they're doing it as a collection. I wonder True. if there would be ports of the mobile versions or if they would be the original games, which I would, I would much rather have the original games. Uh, At the very least, I would take versions of like the, the ones that re- released on PSP. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. Like uh, Final Fantasy IV, the after years. Still haven't played that. And <laughs> Chrono Trigger would be need. cool, but I dare not hope for too much. <laughs> Especially if they ruin it by changing anything just leave chrono trigger yeah, alone don't touch it that that that's one i don't need a 2d 2.5 no. hd remake of it needs no um, kind of remake it needs no remastering it, it just just leave chrono trigger alone just port it one to one it's fine it is the most perfect game ever made just leave it alone okay, so should we make this two separate things maybe a final fantasy classics collection and Chrono Trigger. The the one thing in our favor with the Chrono Trigger one is that they have, you know, released some stuff similar to it. Uh, you know, the Mana games, that's a, that sort of thing. So it, it, I think it would be something they'd be open to and something that's a slam dunk, really. Yeah, it does kind of seem like they've made a standard for re-releasing their old stuff. So Persona ports. Oh, Yes, please. Yeah. For, Actually, for Golden at the very I least. Was, yeah, uh, I was going to bring up maybe something atlas related at this like smt5 maybe almost certainly because it's out later this year apparently and but it still hasn't been officially 
announced. Well, it will be it, it, at E3. <laughs> yeah. So you reckon that's a wussy square, SMT5? Yeah, I reckon that's a wussy one. Yeah, I'll leave that one out. So you reckon Persona? Uh, I, re- I reckon Persona Ports is a a good bravey. And I think 4 is very likely, and uh, 5 is possible. They, they said for people to say if they wanted it, and people have said they wanted it. And then they ignored them. Yes. We've been saying we want it for four years, Atlas. Come on. I've been hearing murmurs about Persona stuff at the Xbox thing, so I can easily see it happening for Switch as well. Mm. If it comes to Xbox and doesn't come to Switch, that would be bizarre. Like, really annoy a very specific subgroup of people. (laughs) (laughs) Do we? How wild do we want to get with these? Are we going to say stuff like, "Oh, Banjo Kazooie's coming back to the Switch"? I think that's a possibility. I like. I I think that at the moment they're working together is is tight enough where anything that could run on it is a possibility like i i'm definitely an outlier in that i think halo could realistically come um, i'm not going to put it on this but yeah I, I i think they're they're comfortable enough that anything could come especially if microsoft think it'll earn them some money e- eg ori cuphead uh that kind of thing um i do wonder about how you know when do nintendo have to start giving back <laughs> I don't. I don't think they will. I just worry. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like at some point they're going to have to, or Microsoft says, "Nope, no more." I don't know. I think the rest of the industry is fairly lucid at this point that Nintendo is never going to let their IP be on somebody else's hardware. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Don't even ask. And they're only playing yeah. with the Switch so much because the Switch is doing so well even outside of the traditional you know console wars competition so like just putting stuff on switch is just good common sense so yeah yeah well just to wind people up mother three is an xbox exclusive (laughs) (laughs) there's always a mother three tease in some form (laughs) actually i just thought of another one we can put on here um bayonetta three do we think? Ooh, do we? Yes, yes, please. I want it. So Me yes. too. <laughs> like when? When was the last time you heard anything official about that? When it was announced, uh, like three years yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> or was that? Uh, was that the? Was was that the 2017 Game Awards? Probably. Yeah. yeah it was. Wow. I think um, Camias said stuff off the record that they're still working on it and it's happening. So That's, maybe he's been saying that for four years. <laughs> yeah. You know, back on Mother, I do think it's conspicuous that Earthbound isn't on the Super NES app yet, so I, I have wondered if they are actually trying to put together an Earthbound compilation of all three Mother games. That would be that's, interesting. That's what I've been be thinking. Cool. Uh, would they announce it at this? Is there a significant anniversary coming up? Or would they just they drop it? came out in 1995? Maybe it was 96 when Earthbound came out, which would be the... Uh, I think would be the big anniversary they would recognize. Don't know. Okay, I'm going to get crazy. Resident Evil Revelations 3 Switch exclusive. Um, I don't know if they said it was a Switch exclusive, but that's already been announced. I thought it was just rumored. Oh, I oh, maybe it, that. Maybe it was just rumors. No, that's coming. Yeah. No, I don't think it is. Not seeing anything official. It's all allegedly and apparently 
there was a Resident Evil outrage that people are thinking is actually Revelations 3. Yeah, no, nothing formally announced. No Wikipedia page exists. Okay. I mean, isn't there a Capcom thing this week as well? Yeah, I think so. That'd be, yeah, should be. I mean, are the rules going to be this is only in the direct, or is this going to be announcements between when we're recording and... I, I think we're allowed just E3 announcements. Yeah. Can't wait to play a new version of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine with that. Uh, I think some uh, some store around the world listed Street Fighter 5 at one point, and then that got quickly uh, delisted, and it, it was a mistake. Street Fighter 5 was a mistake. No, it wasn't. It was great. It's still going. Yeah, still the premier fighter. Nothing touches it. Although everyone's excited for the new Guilty Gear. Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah? Yeah, fair shout. I like that. I don't know if I like it, but I expect to see it. Uh, I I definitely like another stab at a Wii U game I bought and never played. (laughs) Me too. Well, no, I actually got more than halfway through that and then I just fell off it. It's a very long game. Um, Splatoon 3? Yeah, I was going to say Splatoon 3 is probably... One they'll cover. And I'm wondering if they're going to show off any more Pokemon stuff. Oh yeah, they'll show Pokemon Legends Arceus and Pokemon Diamond Pearl remakes for sure. Do you think they're going to see if people still care about Animal Crossing? I... Yeah, I think that's that's gone now. I think they killed that. <laughs> um, because it's the same team that work on Splatoon as Animal Crossing and I think they tried to apply the Splatoon update template to... Animal Crossing, and it just is it, it isn't exciting enough for it to work like that. Uh, Star Fox and or Fire Emblem. Uh, like, I'm a Fire Emblem fan. I just don't want to see Fire Emblem at a director change. I always wanted because they re-released uh, the second game as Fire Emblem Echoes, and it kind of felt like a sub series because the actual game title was was it Shadows of Valentia? But the Fire Emblem Echoes was written in such a way that it looked like that was going to be a sub-series and then nothing else came under came out under that bracket uh, label. So I'm just wondering if we'd see another remake of a, an old FE game. No, I'm not convinced. Okay. I, I think Three Houses uh, was popular enough that they would stick with that format. Three Houses was its own game. I'm talking about making more um, remakes. I don't know. I'm not confident on that one. Okay. I th- I think I'd like. Well, I hope they they're kind of reading the room because every time they do something Fire Emblem, now everyone groans. Yeah, but at the same time, their mobile game is making in a lot of money. Hmm. Who knows? You reckon you reckon Donkey Kong might see something? Yeah, I think like uh, was it Retro did the last ones, Retro Studios, and they they were working on something, or were they working on Metro Prime Four? Uh, I think they took over Metroid Prime 4, but they were working on something up until then that we haven't seen yet. Hmm. So we could go Vega and say Retro Studios project? Yeah. I could go with that. Non-Metroid project. Oh, Kirby. Mm. Been a while since we've had a Kirby game. I feel like they do want a console. (laughs) Unless it's a weird spin-off. Oh yeah, it'll be a weird spin-off. But they did two for um, 3DS. Okay, maybe, maybe Star Allies 2. I don't think they do direct sequels. I have not played enough Kirby to comment on that. I've only played Star Allies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there are two kinds of a... Kirby games. There's a remake of Kirby's Adventure, and then there's a weird spin-off. That's it. That's all they make for Kirby games. Yep. Uh, have EA done their thing yet? Who cares? Uh, uh, I'm going somewhere with it. <laughs> Mass Effect? Nah. Yeah. Sims. 
Oh. oh. Yeah. Who cares? Apparently they're doing their event in July. Really? Okay. Maybe. Weird. EA Play Live is coming back 22nd of January, uh, July. Okay, let's let's get really weird. So they brought back Pokemon Snap. Mm-hmm. How about Pokemon Channel? <laughs> That's too weird. <laughs> How about Pokemon Puzzle League? <laughs> a game people actually played. <laughs> <laughs> Coliseum? Yeah, that's that's just any Pokemon game, yeah. Wait, we got one spot left. Do, do we think we're going to get any any of these impossible ports that we get from time to time, e.g. something Scale of the Witcher? Well, I mean, what's really left? Well, every time we get to this, everyone goes on about GTA V. Um, yeah, but that's not unimaginable. If... GTA V was on the Xbox 360. Yeah, it's true. And L.A. Noir. And they got Saints Row on there, so open-world city games aren't a I mean, huge stretch. I think the lack of GTA Five on Switch is the same reason there aren't a lot of EA games on Switch is because Rockstar doesn't care about GTA Five. They care about GTA Online, and the Switch doesn't know, isn't always connected to the mm-hmm. internet, so they can't just always get you to buy your GTA bucks whenever they want you to. So that's mm-hmm. why GTA Five yeah, isn't fair. on Switch. If you're talking out of left field ports. The fact that Monster Hunter Rise runs the RE engine so well on Switch, maybe a Resident Evil RE engine game? The only thing that would put me off that is that they did uh, RE7 on the cloud in Japan. Yeah, but that was pretty early on in the Switch's life before they really figured out that they could squeeze the Switch a little bit. Again, I don't think I'm confident enough to put that on the card probably not left field enough i think we should go big for this last one yeah i'm I'm thinking what what's a good big what would they end it on it'll be splatoon 3 that's definitely what they'll end it on but <laughs> i think they're gonna end they're gonna end it on breath of the wild 2 is what they're gonna end it on uh but just something bizarre mario kart 9 <laughs> yeah. i'd welcome that i like that one actually I was going to say how about Mario Strikers just because I keep banging on about it every time they release a sports game. What about Mario spin-off? But that doesn't feel big, does it? I I, uh, I was thinking maybe a new Mario game because they've been quiet on it since... Uh, I mean, like a platformer Mario game because uh, they've done nothing really in that vein since Odyssey. Um, and we all thought DLC was going to come to Odyssey because, you know, that world system would have supported that really easily. So maybe they're just working on Odyssey 2? I think I've figured out what the most left-field thing would be. Go on, then. F-Zero. <laughs> oh, I want it. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I mean, I reckon if they do it, it won't be Nintendo-developed at all. I mean, is it GX that was on the GameCube that was developed by Sega? I don't know. Maybe. I didn't have that one. I know the GameCube one was the last one they made. I don't know anything about it other than that. I feel like that's that'd be one that would blow people's minds. And do we want to put a Earthbound collection on here? I I think that would round out the thing pretty nicely. That'd be mind blowing. People have have been wanting that for as long as they've been doing directs. Yeah, yeah. It'd and... be like the FF Seven remake, wouldn't it? You just take away the memes from people. Mm-hmm. And Reggie isn't allowed around to disintegrate people with his eye lasers anymore when they ask so maybe that got the ball rolling on on development i believe that's 24 shall i read them off or yeah go on reel off our 24 all right so with the zelda 35th stuff we got a wii u hd collection 
Zelda 99 or some sort of Zelda weird spin-off, uh, a Link's Awakening Oracle game remake, and Breath of the Wild 2 name or and or release date. Uh, Metroid in some capacity. And then we've got some indies. We've got a Spelunky Collection surprise release and Disco Elysium. Uh, we reckon there's going to be a Microsoft or Bethesda representation in Smash. And we also think that both of the last fighter slots are going to be revealed. Some sort of really in-depth video about Mario Golf or Skyward Sword. <laughs> um, Fallout on Switch in some way. New Amiibo. Dark Souls 2. Final Fantasy collection of uh, classic games. And uh, Chrono Trigger. A Persona port of some sort. Bayonetta 3. Resident Evil Revelations 3. Xenoblade Chronicles X, Splatoon 3, Pokemon Diamond Pearl Remakes and or Legends, Retro Studios Non-Metroid Project, a Kirby game, and the Earthbound Collection. Nice. Ooh. I don't think we can go wrong. <laughs> I think, I think we've got a full are. bingo card. Guaranteed. Uh, so we'll uh, make that blank bingo card available on our socials uh, probably before the episode goes up as well, so you can uh, make your own. Uh, and try and beat us. Uh, we will go over the results next time, uh, and you can uh, gloat if you did beat us. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's it uh, for this episode. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Andrew, we're going to start with you. I'm just letting E3 just be for E3, and, you know, if there's a surprise drop on a game that I want to play, I'll play that. But uh, I think next week it's just going to be E3 chat. Nice. Uh, same for me, really. Um, unless something really interesting drops same day, I'm probably just going to keep going with Baldur's Gate because I love it. Uh, Tori? Uh, I think mostly the same, just taking in all the announcements, but there's a part of me that wants to give Mario and Rabbids another shot, see if I can figure it out this time with this Rabbid Luigi cheat. <laughs> Rabbit Luigi max out his dash, his dash attack, and his vamp dash abilities, and just bring him with you to every fight, and just have him run around using vamp dash on everything in range, and that'll inflict the the vampirism debuff on enemies, and then when your other fighters on the map shoot those enemies, they will recover life too. So basically, everybody becomes unkillable. <laughs> life hacked. That would be nice if in the uh, in Mario plus Rabbits too, if we're not required to keep Mario in the party because that was annoying because really mm-hmm. in almost every map I was like I really wish I could drop Mario and bring somebody else in here <laughs> but I feel like that with every Mario spin-off to be honest yeah he's always the get least, rid of Mario he's always the least interesting thing in his own game <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sad. or at least increase the number of people you can take I take that as a trade-off no I liked three three was an interesting number for that kind of game it'd be pretty hard to balance more than that too but at the same time i'd like to see a, a full party somewhere five characters that's what i want <laughs> you're haggling yeah uh yeah so thanks for listening to episode 155 uh, if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on itunes it helps us get noticed you can also listen on stitcher spotify and other podcast services uh, make sure to check out our sister shows uh, that are also part of the game podular network 
uh, this play state they should be having an e3 episode coming up anytime uh, and uh, power of x will actually have something of a reboot uh, mikey has uh, left the network so we we wish him well and uh, we've got a new host coming in scotty who uh, sorry pretty well and i think you two are planning on recording an e3 th- e3 show we're probably going to do a reaction right after e3 nice cool so look forward to that so power of x is definitely uh coming back so check that out soon uh you can uh, join our discord server to interact with the lively game podular community uh, you can follow us on twitter youtube facebook and at gamepodular.com for updates news and other content uh, links for all those things are in our show notes if you'd like to support our shows you can buy us a coffee or you can become a Game Podular Patreon. Details for both of these things are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, in fact, we did just get our first ever Patreon. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for your $1 uh, per month. That is uh, the only tier that we have on there uh, as like a virtual tips jar. If, if you want to contribute to the running of the, the network and its servers and, you know, buy people editing software and stuff, that that's the way to do it uh this episode was edited by me andy corrigan uh you can follow me on twitter over at flame roast toast uh you can also follow uh andrew at play critically and read his long form reviews over at playcritically.com and you can also follow tori uh at stew2 that's s-t-w-t-w-o 